is the movie Hall of Fame class of Liam Neeson for Thursday, January 14th, 2021. <laughs> Have you regret your decision yet, Emma? Not exactly. <laughs> I'm a little confused by you wanting to go with these. I mean, the <laughs> it's funny looking at these movies because I've seen a bunch of movies with Liam Neeson and... Um, I would say one of these movies are in his top 10 performances. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> this is a list comprised with the exception of, I would say two movies, maybe three, like pretty like, like either forgettable, forgettable or bad movies. This is an interesting list and it's, um, a- I, I think forgettable <laughs> might be a little strong. I, I think <laughs> well forgettable well, forgettable to the average human being not to you yeah because this is as about as you as we can possibly get you gave me the option I last know. week it was part of the uh, part of your bargain <laughs> you wanted shame in the movie hall of fame so you yeah. said nico two weeks of your choice yeah this is what you get i'm just happy we have michael fassbender's dick in the movie hall of fame that's true that's all that matters and now really. we're putting liam's in there <laughs> did you ever see those tweets uh of him like pissing in public yes <laughs> i did now and it's very strange they they feel like they're out of context or what's out of context about like, like i was oh, like, like like a water fountain like malfunction yeah, yeah or is it like on a movie set and he's filming something where his character pisses himself i don't know but it looks like bradley cooper in a star is born i'm like whoa some of them look like they're at actual galas though that's true like some of them are like red carpet shots it's like what is going on with this or is it, it might be a little out of context might be photoshopped too yeah, you could never be. know i guess I, I was very confused like the, is this true there's no there's no way his publicist <laughs> was letting this slide <laughs> i was very confused um yeah man liam's an interesting cat no doubt uh yeah so let let me be clear these are not the six best movies starring liam neeson <laughs> I, I we're calling it class of liam neeson but really as i described to you over text this is liam neeson with a gun mm-hmm. that is the, the that that is the uh, the boundary that we're setting for ourselves here that's true schindler's list is not going to be here obviously <sighs> love actually is not going to be here obviously <laughs> silence is not going to be here i keep forgetting about silence oh my god liam neeson is um is a strange actor a strange on-screen presence and i would say to put it lightly an unconventional action star would you agree with that (laughs) i suppose yeah it's just i mean was he born i don't know if he was set up in hollywood to be an action star never no no not at all not even i mean What's his first like action foray? Is it the Phantom Menace? I guess. Well, like Darkman. Yeah, Darkman. But that's a weird, you know, approach to any action movie. I mean, that's a comic book movie mostly. Sure. And then you know, in style and attitude. Uh, but it's it's not even close to this. It's not like the. It's you don't look at that movie and say it's the man with a gun. Not at all. No, definitely not. So. Now he is the man with the gun. Yeah, and I love like it's funny when you look at this now like. You can track like a lot of like trends in Hollywood and some of them are harder to spot than others. But I remember the point when it happened and we're going to talk about the movie when it happened. And I right. was just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, oh, I didn't realize that that could work so well for, for Liam. Yeah. Have they taken it too far? Uh, yes, <laughs> I think so. And you're probably going to disagree with me, but I do. <laughs> I don't know how ironic that sentiment is. <laughs> 
Well, let me clarify something. You always are in the business of asking me if I like something ironically. This is something that you're always obsessed with uh, because sometimes it's like incredulous that I believe that something is good. Like there is one just awful movie. (laughs) It's great. It is so good. But like, whoa, it's a bad movie. (laughs) Okay. I, I think it's ironic. Yes. I'll be honest with myself. I think that this is ironic because I don't find Liam Neeson to be a credible action star. I don't find him to be Stallone or Schwarzenegger or even like Jason Statham or Mel Gibson or Bruce Willis or but, any of those guys. But why not is my question. I feel like 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 because I I'm not, I don't even totally disagree with you. Yeah. But, but I feel like on on paper, on the surface, he sort of appears as one who could play that off. You think so? Yeah, well, he does it. I think it's because he does it so well in Taken. Right. And then everyone is like, yeah, there we go. But I. Well, because Taken is better than it has any business being. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. <laughs> it's like the definition of that exact sentence. No, no, it's just I, something that went horribly wrong for Hollywood in like the best way. It's it was a January movie. It cost like 20 million dollars. It was Liam Neeson just cashing a paycheck. And everyone understood that this was going to be a bad movie and no one was going to see it. And they're just going to bury it in January. And then it made $200 million. And they're like, wait a minute. You know, it's kind of like in the tape factory when the paper got into the machine and they accidentally mm. invented sticky notes. That's what happened here. They accidentally stumbled on Liam Neeson action star and they didn't realize that there was a need for this, but there was <laughs> a need for it. And as you said, they've had to cash that check year after year after year for the last decade. And it's not always worked out. Look, taking is like a great action thriller it's awesome like it's a movie rules yes but that that again that's the thing it's like if the movie was even just fine it was just like okay yeah like it wouldn't have launched anything in my opinion but it was a mistake yes no no i agree (laughs) do you know what i mean it's a fluke yeah but like for example though like even on this list like i hate to say it from what i saw i actually prefer the a team to at least one of these movies maybe damn yeah so uh, do you prefer like clash the titans no 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 okay no 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 because <laughs> he also did two of those movies in the last 10 years yeah yeah i don't know i it works in taken i think it works in at least two more of these movies but 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 he's a lanky irish guy he's a tall lanky irish guy yes. like that dude is not supposed to be a cop or a mob boss or an FBI agent. He just doesn't convey that sort of energy. His voice is not like the voice you would expect a cop to have unless he's like one of the Simpsons cops with like an Irish accent, you know, in only the most cartoonish sense possible, like in like the Miller's crossing sense of what Mm. a cop is supposed to be. Um, So he doesn't really play that well. I guess he could credibly be an assassin. He's again, he certainly isn't taken, but that should be the disclaimer. When we say anything like this taken is the exception to the rule. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't know. He's not even Tom Cruise. I guess the closest comp you could have is Keanu. I guess Keanu in many ways is unconventional just in the build. They're both kind of skinny and lanky and awkward when they move. But even Keanu has done the work physically to sort of prove that he can be a credible fighter i'd say he's he's always canada's proved been proving that since like the start of his career yeah yeah Yeah, physically but not necessarily in the performance no right they they finally figured out how to use that performance sure it took them 
Jesus, like 20 years to figure out how to use his performance in a way that actually, you know, plays to his strengths. Right. Because the John Wick movies are amazing. Yeah. Uh, I guess the reason why Taken works so well, apart from all these other movies, is that like the entire time, like you're aware that he's like this great, you know, like gunslinger, FBI agent killer, whatever you want to call him. But he's also playing a father figure. And that's how I see him. Right. More than, I guess, anything. Like he perfectly compliments both sides. I buy him just as much as this really good father. Yeah. <laughs> really good father. Sure. <laughs> I mean, as good as it gets, really. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, like... I guess he needs those two sides because I, yeah, I agree. Like when he's just the guy with the gun, it, there's something very lacking there. Sure. Here's the thing though, too. Do you buy him in rom-coms? Like, I guess you're right. I buy him as a dad. He's good in love. Actually. He's I kind of like, I kind of like him in love actually. But even like when he's the romantic lead, I, I find it kind of strange. And he does those he's, movies like once every four years. He's also just funny though. Yeah. Like, like he the, is funny. And that's why I actually don't mind him in the A team, even though that movie's not very good. Yeah. Like I kind of like him as that, that smarmy version of Hannibal. I mean, that is Hannibal, but it like, yeah, like you're, you, you get it. Sure. <laughs> you, you sort of embody that quite well. Um, but yeah, otherwise it's he's he's very hard to pin down. I do like him in silence, honestly, though. No, I think honestly, and this is something that Spielberg and Scorsese have both figured out, and no one else. Actually, the Coens figured this out too. Is he's kind of a good quiet actor. Like yes, he, like he can do a lot with his face, and that's sort of an underrated quality of his. Which is so weird that he does movies that don't require any acting of the face. And it's all full body, which he has no control over. Like, he just lumbers around in these movies. Yeah. And the way, like, when he holds a gun, it's like, that's not how a cop is supposed to hold a gun. <laughs> but when he's in Ballad of Buster Scruggs, for example, which is a mostly silent performance. I don't think he says, like, more than five words in that movie. He's incredibly compelling. And he has that sort of sulken, sullen face yep. um, that can just, like can uh like uh can convey this melancholy so effectively yeah schindler's list is the same thing that's not a guy that uh i mean i guess early on in the movie there's a lot of dialogue and he's kind of like a smarmy asshole but as the movie goes on it's just a lot of him just like sitting in a room with despair and regret Mm -hmm. um and silence is the same thing i love him in both of those movies for exactly those reasons but he i mean he could have done that though he should have done like he could have been that awesome character actor that appears in these movies like did you know that he turned down lincoln to play lincoln he was gonna be lincoln and they replaced him with daniel day lewis but spielberg was like game to have the the reunion with neeson I mean, that would have been great. Yeah, I think. But it's just he didn't go down that path. And these great directors continue to work with him and they love working with him. He's probably Marty a, brought him back a bunch of times. He's probably a great guy to work with. Yeah, Honestly, he seems that way. The fact that he would do something like Schindler's List and also do Darkman. Yeah. It's like, what is this guy? He's game, but he's good in both. Yeah. But again, like, like pinning it. Like, I, I don't like to pit to pin this guy down it's very difficult but the fact that he is so good at dark man <laughs> and so good at something like schindler's list is really weird to me yeah i can't really put a finger on that but no he, you would never think this guy is stallone no after no, seeing but, schindler's list you would never you wouldn't even think he's like charles bronson no you know you wouldn't uh, pin him even though all of those guys have been described as unconventional action stars like bruce willis has yeah. been described as an unconventional action star I mean, at least like Bruce Willis, like lifts, 
Like Liam Neeson doesn't lift or it doesn't well, feel like he lifts a lot. I think Liam Neeson would kick the shit out of Bruce Willis. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but this is, I guess this is what, it, what we're coming down to is like, you know, Bruce Willis is a Bruce Willis type. He's the Bruce Willis type and there's no one else like him. I, I think that's kind of the same for Liam Neeson. Maybe he's created his own archetype. Definitely. I can't, I can't pin him to anybody else. Yeah. For better or worse, but yeah. Definitely. Um, but here we are talking about the late period of his career. <laughs> Liam Neeson with the gun. Okay. Uh, your nominees are Taken, Unknown, The Gray, Nonstop, A Walk Among the Tombstones, and Cold Pursuit. In chronological order, one of them is getting into the Movie Hall of Fame. <laughs> I do have some honorable mentions okay. for you. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Again, I am, I, am only, I am only drawing from... 2009 on that's okay. what we considered to be liam neeson's action phase uh and here are some of the potential nominees you could have nominated the a-team as you just said he also did battleship remember that's that right. movie yeah he did do fucking battleship <laughs> oh i totally forgot about that what the hell that's a weird one that is a weird one that's R- peter, rihanna peter berg directed that right like what <laughs> what dude berg has had a strange run yes, and i yes. mostly like his movies yeah too. me too me too oh i really like his movies yeah yeah i love friday night lights i love the show friday night lights i like his vibe i love patriots day the the handheld aspects of his stuff don't bother me usually and that's unusual it's great though i think it's really good but battleship man like, huh <laughs> talk about one for them Jeez. <laughs> literally uh of course, two Taken movies, Taken 2 and Taken 3. I, I I never bothered with Taken 3. I saw the second one, and it was so bad. <laughs> it was painful, man. So there's a line in that movie. I, I don't know if you were, how many times you've seen Taken, but I've I've seen it more than most, I would say. I've seen it a shit ton of times. But there's the character Marco from Trepoia in that movie. Marco from Trepoia. Sure. Yes. And in the third movie, Marco's father is avenging the death of Marco from Trapoya and in Taken 2, the actual line of dialogue that he utters to Liam Neeson is, you killed my son, Marco from Trapoya. So his full name is Marco from Trapoya. I guess that's what that, that's what that means, right? <laughs> I saw that thing in the theater opening weekend and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what is happening i love every second but this is literally the worst thing i've ever seen oh my i what <laughs> not to be outdone by taken three which is somehow worse I, uh, which i just saw this year for the first time that 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 fence jump is like now memed into the dirt oh the fence jump i love just look up brian mills jumps a fence i love it <laughs> <laughs> look at that what is that editing <laughs> that's the worst shit i've ever seen (laughs) i'm hung up on this marco from trapoya yeah you do not want to know how many times the name marco from trapoya has been uttered in this household because for those that don't know my father's name is marco yeah i know (laughs) i jumped in it you love those accents (laughs) the albanians the russians The Ukrainians, any gangsters with like a, a thick accent like that just works. You, man, you would love Grand Theft Auto 4. Oh, man. Oh, Maybe I should try it out. You would love it. Hey, Nigel, want to go bowling? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. When I was in middle school, like this uh, this kid always used to call me, Nico, my cousin, <laughs> which is a thing for Grand Theft Auto, right? <laughs> yep. 
Yep. It's so funny. I remember that. I haven't talked to this kid in 15 years, but he used to call me that. My cousin, welcome to America. <laughs> you would, because yeah, the, the lead character's name is Nico and his cousin is always calling him at random hours. His, the cousin's name is Roman, by the way. Okay. Just ask him to go bowling and Nico is always like, fuck you, Roman. <laughs> Another time, Roman. I'm busy. I've got to go fuck some hookers. <laughs> <laughs> was the mom in the delivery room like, oh, honey, look at our beautiful Marco from Tripoya. Isn't he so beautiful? <laughs> what will we call him? <laughs> well, his name is Marco. I'm just picturing Darth Sidious now. From this moment on, you will be known as Marco from Tripoya. <laughs> We could talk about Run All Night. It was not nominated. Uh, that's with Ed Harris and Joel Kinnaman, the big homie Joel Kinnaman, also directed by Jean-Michel Letzera. The big homie? You big Joel Kinnaman fan? I am. Huh. I like him too. I like me some Kinnaman. I think he's made some questionable choices lately. What, like RoboCop? Uh, yeah, to name a few. He's sure. actually not bad in RoboCop. <laughs> I actually haven't seen it. <laughs> I've seen a, a little bit of it when it was on HBO, and I was like, okay. Like, you could have done worse. <laughs> I love Kinnaman. I love him in The Killing. I love him in House of Cards. I think he's good. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah. Uh. But uh, we're not talking about that one. We're also not talking about The Commuter. Again, we'll be talking a lot of Jean-Mais Colette-Sara in a minute. So no need to talk about that one. But, uh, oh boy, is it a favorite of mine? So good. The commuter. Yeah, you talked a lot about The Commuter when it came out. So good. Yeah. Mike from Breaking Bad, Jonathan Banks, is, is in that movie. Oh, that's good. Everyone loves Mike. Yeah, I mean, the list of supporting actors in some of these movies, man, are just gonna. It, it just it's crazy. It's some, insane. Some of them were just like like turning my mind into mush. It really got to that point. Would you consider Widows a Liam Neeson with a gun no. movie? Okay, I mean, so Liam, yes, yes, and no. I mean, it's sort of a deconstruction of the Liam Neeson persona Correct. in the best possible way. Yeah, an effective and deconstruction. I, oh, I love the fact that he's in that movie. It actually makes the movie significantly better in my eyes. Right. Um, but it's not. I mean, hardly any of the movie is focused on him specifically. It's not really his story. Okay. So. Uh, you also have Honest Thief from last year, which is the worst movie I saw last year by a mile. It really? Is so bad. Okay. It, it, that's coming from me. Honestly, it's that bad. It's, it's bad. It's really, really, really lazy and bad. It's worse than yeah. Oh, really? God. Oh, God. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh boy. Okay, here's the deal, though. <laughs> we'll get to it when we get to it. But I like the movie that you don't like. No, I, I'm sure no, you do. I, I think it's good. What? I do. But <laughs> okay. we'll talk. <laughs> uh, and then this weekend, wouldn't you know it? Uh, as um, coincidence would have it, the Marksman. Which is coming out this weekend. Uh, also stars Liam Neeson. That's a good name. And this is something we're going to talk about. Some of these names are really good. Some of them are really bad. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of like naming your movies. Sure. Um, so yeah. I'll, I, I will get back to you next week on The Marksman. I will have seen The Marksman by next week. Jesus Christ. So there we go. It's yeah. something about like the cartel. He's like a former like cartel guy. He's on the border and like he's defending this kid who escapes from the cartel. Poor Liam. Yeah. It just sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I guess he's happy pissing himself and making movies. Yeah. All right. Let's start with uh, the movie that started it all. 2009's Taken. 
Directed by Pierre Morel, written by Luc Besson, starring Liam Neeson and Maggie Grace. It's not directed by Luc Besson, is it? Written by Luc Besson. Yeah, Pierre Morel is the director here. Um, But I believe it also was a French production, or at least was a uh, French co-production. A retired CIA agent travels across Europe and relies on his old skills to have his estranged daughter who has been kidnapped while on a trip to Paris to save his estranged daughter who has been kidnapped while on a trip to Paris. Um, I think I've seen this movie more than like any movie ever. I've seen this movie, but not, not more than any movie ever, but a lot. <laughs> it's in my top 10. Definitely. <laughs> okay. At least my top five. Depends on where I, how I'm ranking genres. If I'm ranking like, like, like guy with a gun who, also is good at hand-to-hand combat. Uh, yeah, it's in my top ten, sure. <laughs> you know? I've seen it a lot. My family has seen it a lot. My father and brother and myself. Mine, um, mine too, actually. Look, if it's on cable, which it's on all the time, we put it on. Yeah. And the rule is we don't stop. <laughs> non-stop? You watch it non-stop? Non-stop. Wow. Yes. We enter the gray and watch it non-stop. <laughs> It's a cold pursuit watching this movie. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so, I mean, that's the rule. If we jump into it 20 minutes in, we're going to be there for an hour and 10. If we jump in 40 minutes in, we're there for another 50. You jump in it. You jump in it. <laughs> we're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> like, literally, if this thing is in Spanish, which it's been in the past, this has happened. <laughs> Univision will be playing Taken. And we will put the movie on in Spanish and sit there and watch it in Spanish. Okay. That is a thing that we have done in the past. Um, is it good? I mean, I... Yes. Okay. No, it's good. It's good, huh? It, it, yes, it's part right. of the conversation. Like, okay. You don't have what comes after this if it wasn't good. Okay. I mean, yeah, it made like, you know, $200 million. Pretty good for what it is, I would say. Uh, yeah, it's... I wouldn't necessarily say it was like the popular thing when it came out it sort of sort of you know became that over the like the next year and a half Mm. or something um which is real again really good and i guess not none of us expected this i think i was a little hesitant to do it as well because i i don't think i was tipped off to the trailer and when i saw it i wasn't impressed by it at all and then i like finally caught the movie and i was like okay yeah what is it and i was just like (laughs) like kicking myself actually at how good the movie actually was right which is weird though because it wasn't like like beloved when it came out it was kind of mixed from what i understand but uh subsequently i yeah I, i think it's sort of undeniably one of like the better you know action films of its kind yeah, I mean, it was in that period, the Born Identity, Paul Greengrass period, uh, Michael Bay is another one, too, where there was a lot of handheld mm. choreography or a lot of handheld cinematography. And the choreography was very erratic. And I mean, obviously, it it was ludicrous by the time they got to Taken 3. And as we just said, that fence jumping video <laughs> is uh, is outrageous. Um, but I think like it was the perfect combination of like that sort of. Uh, I won't even say cheap. I'll just say like efficient filmmaking style. And what I think is some pretty compelling action. Yep. And also, I don't know, some awesome action dialogue. I mean, the monologue of him on the phone with Marco from Tropoia is amazing. I don't know. Like, I I don't have any money, but I've acquired a set of skills 
so good. Skills that make, make me very difficult for a man like you. Make me a nightmare. A nightmare for a, for a man, like, for a person like you. Yeah. I wish, damn it, I wish I could quote that entire thing because it's fucking great. And you're right, though. Like, everything about this movie is so much better than it has any right to be because you get into this thinking it's going to be the most generic action film ever made. And it is. But, like, <laughs> right? so joyously so. It, there's some, it, again, like, I just think it's a happy accident mm. where, like, every beat just feels right. Everything about the setting feels right to, like you said, the dialogue, to Liam Neeson's performance during the action. The editing's really good, too. I can't deny it that. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, something about it is so just juicy and fun. And I don't know. Sort of like gives me a similar endorphin hit that like the Oceans films give me. Sure. I don't know what it is. Yeah, in a different way, in a much less sleek way, I guess. But Um, not in a, but it to the film's favor, in my opinion. So, yeah, I think so. I I think like the portrait of Europe that this, that this movie portrays is very sleazy and very grimy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I do think like it probably discouraged a lot of people from <laughs> taking a trip to Paris. That's what happened with Hostel. Right. Uh, yeah. Knowing that Albanian gangsters can kidnap you from the airport and mm-hmm. just sell you into sex slavery. Um, so like, I, you know, I'm not sure a lot of these locations. Um, actually, none of these locations are locations you'd like to visit. Even that ship, which is yeah. this beautiful cruise ship is like, oh, so that's what rich people do on their yachts. Like they just they bid for uh, prostitutes. Um, but like, there's just so much in here that was instantly iconic. Like the shot of Maggie Grace underneath the bed, just getting yanked away. Yeah. A simple shot, not new, not particularly inventive, dude, but a shot that you've seen ripped off in like every action movie, dude, Liam Neeson simply on the phone is iconic. Yeah. One shot of him where he's given that monologue, you show that to anybody and they know exactly what it's from. Sure. Just and him listening just to guy, her getting yeah, kidnapped. It's just a guy on a phone. Right. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Yeah. You know, I don't even know if it's earned. It just happened. Sure. It just yeah. happened. Uh, the scene of him electrocuting the guy. Mm. Here the you, nice even flow. So good. <laughs> Here you can flip a switch and the power stays on all day. Where is this girl? <laughs> <laughs> nice steady flow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice even flow, I think. So um, yeah. Uh, Obviously, there's some ridiculous stuff in here. I always go back to when Liam is outside of the apartment building that his daughter was staying at. (laughs) And in order to sneak his way in, he's inconspicuously holding a grocery bag with a baguette sticking out. (laughs) Because that's what French people do. They have baguettes. (laughs) Because that's how you blend in to Paris without being seen. So I'm just thinking, okay, Liam Neeson has been up all night on a private jet listening to the one recording over and over again on the loop. But when he gets to Paris, he actually takes the time to buy a baguette from the local bodega to blend in. I I just picture he's calling his buddies because this doesn't happen in the movie. It would just amuse me. Like, give me an untraceable phone and a baguette. (laughs) (laughs) Sam. (laughs) Sam, I need a baguette and an untraceable phone. And I also need some face uh, like detecting technology. That's (laughs) it's that old technology where you zoom into the picture and somehow it uh, it clears up. I, I I, I think this is one of those nice examples of a movie where just instantaneously everyone just kind of got it. Right. There's something about uh, the film doing exactly that. And you know it's a little silly and ridiculous. And the the movie has not disappointed you at this point. So you just really don't care. I never cared. And I recognized a lot of this stuff. I don't know. There's something cozy about this movie. Kim. I love it. You're about to be taken. <laughs> what does that even mean? 
You're about to be taken. It's the only word he uses. I don't think the word kidnap is, is brought up in the movie ever. I think it's no. just taken. No. And everybody understands. Oh, she was taken? And now when you say taken. Taken to, take to lunch? I mean, I don't know. My brother, when this came out, made a, a short film directly parodying Taken where I get abducted mm. and taken by, uh, um, uh, Jesus Christ, uh, taken by a male rapist. Oh. And my character gets raped. It's not shown, but it's implied. Okay. Yeah. The f- film's available if you ever want to see it. What's the film called? Uh, abducted. <laughs> um that's taken that's really all i have to say about it i've seen it many many times uh more times than any human should and uh i will find you and i will kill you and i will kill you yeah i will find you and i will kill you is he irish in this movie that's another question i have it slips out a couple times, but no, he's not supposed to be Irish. Like his poor finger, fingernails. You can really hear it there when he's talking to the guy in, in the chair. Right. That's when it was like most noticeable to me. Yeah. But no, he, he's an American. The accent work is something we're going to have to discuss. Oh, yeah. As we, go, as we go through this list. I believe you, but it's not going to save you. <laughs> Brian Mills, baby. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, okay. Moving on. 2011's Unknown, directed by Jaume Colette Serra, a frequent collaborator of Liam's. Again, as I mentioned before, has made four movies. Is that right? With Liam Neeson. Unknown, nonstop, run all night, and The Commuter. This is their first collaboration in 2011. This movie, of course, stars Liam Neeson, Diane Kruger, January Jones, and Frank Langella. A man awakens from a coma only to discover that someone has taken on his identity and that no one, not even his wife, believes him. With the help of a young woman, he sets out to prove who he is. I don't really know what to say about this movie because I saw it uh, when it came out on my birthday, which is February 26th, which means this movie was fucking dumped. (laughs) says a lot about it that it was released in February. February 18th, 2011. There you go. There you go. Oh, boy. I, I remember liking it, though. Like for what it was, I, I remember it's just going to the theater kind of just to waste time because I didn't know what else to do. Uh, but I thought it was, you know, pretty OK. You know, I kind of like the aesthetic. I like that story. I like seeing seeing Liam slowly build up to being the guy with the gun. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a born movie. You know, it's born identity. It's literally just born identity. Yeah. yeah. Except rather than Treadstone, the, the MacGuffin is like corn for the world is that is that like the premise of the movie i think i don't remember that at all corn for the movie no no like wheat no there's a scientist in the movie is it the frank langella character (laughs) yeah no no it's not it's not the frank langella character but no there's a there's a guy that's developing like a special super corn that can like feed the world that's like immune to climate change and like is will be able to sustain generations like the super pig from Okja. Yeah, but it's but corn. corn. It's corn. <laughs> well, it's, I, I don't know if it's necessarily big corn. I just it's think <laughs> like, I'm not sure I if it's a special big corn. I'm not sure it's giant cobs <laughs> that like the village gets together and picks off of. It's the origin of the big salad is big corn. 
No, I just think it's a corn that will that will cure world hunger. That's the implication of this movie. What if I think. What if you don't want to eat corn all day? Um, get tired of corn. Like boring. I, I think like if you're suffering from hunger, I I'm not sure you're that picky. I think you'll become that picky. Uh, yeah, you think? I think so. I think at a certain point you're like, you know, we're very grateful for the corn, but where's like the frosted flakes? Okay. Where where are the apples? <laughs> We've been eating this shit for three years now. Give me a steak. That's why it's so crazy that the Irish potato famine actually took out like a, a big portion of that country's population. I fucking love their potatoes, man. I mean, so do I. But I don't think I would die if potatoes went away. But again, I wasn't around then. You might find something to eat, I guess. The potato famine. Crazy. It's like a historical cliche, isn't it? Right. It's a big joke. But like a lot of people died because they were out of one crop. (laughs) Anyway. No, I'm pretty sure here's the plot of Unknown, if I remember. I haven't seen the movie since 2011. Okay. I saw it then. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it at home. But I was very excited about it because it was the next uh it was the next like taken ripoff right that's why i saw it too yeah it was it was the first of its kind of what we now understand as the liam neeson cinematic universe (laughs) this was the first time where like i thought oh this is actually like a thing now we need to be paying attention to all these liam neeson action movies uh and at the time i was a huge born fan huge like early high school when i was like a freshman sophomore I think like Born Supremacy was one of my favorite movies at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I was very disappointed to find out that this movie was just Born Identity. Oh, yeah. But rather than a CIA operative, Liam Neeson is a domestic terrorist. Yes. Mm. So. Yeah. Didn't care for it, to be honest with you. I I actually think Jamais Colette Serra is a really good director I, I think is at least like a compelling action director competent director he makes fine movies in my opinion from yeah what i've seen yeah this is no exception like you know he's a, he feels like you know you want to hire a man to do an efficiently good job at this type of genre yeah give it to him but he's not gonna like wow you right i mean i haven't been wowed by him yet right <laughs> um but other than that i don't know i think that this movie is just full of like action movie cliches but yep it's not at the point where they're having fun with it yet. No. He certainly yeah. has a lot of fun with it nonstop. Yeah. Has the most fun with it in The Commuter. Really? Um, oh, okay. yeah. And, and like that movie is just not meant to be taken seriously at all. And I think it's great. I think it's the same thing that happened to the Fast franchise in many ways. Okay. Um, but they were just not there yet. I, I, they were just making a cliche filled action thriller that was part born identity, but also like. I don't know. It, it, it starts with a briefcase getting swapped out. You can't follow anything you know, that happens in this movie. That's part of the issue, too. There are just so many MacGuffins and red herrings. And the safe cracking at the end for the bomb that kills yeah. the woman. Uh, and that's like the fact that that's what like like takes away his amnesia. And he gives the great line where it's like, I didn't forget everything. I remember how to kill you. <laughs> It's like, whoa, okay. <laughs> We've been there with amnesia, yeah, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> amnesia is so not a thing that happens as frequently as it does in the movies. It's really boring in the movies. <laughs> yeah. I want to meet a guy with amnesia. <laughs> you ever met anybody that had amnesia? No. I'm not talking about like blacking out from a night of drinking. I How mean, do you like, know you've never had amnesia? I guess I don't. How do I know I've never had amnesia? Is my name Brian Mills? Have Could you been be. lying to me the whole time? Well, let's move on to the next movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't have much to say about this. Neither movie. do I. I didn't get a chance to yeah. rewatch it. Um, I I do remember January Jones being in it and her being quite fetching. She's in that. Oh, yeah. she is. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah she plays she, the wife. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it was before she was Betty Draper to me. Yeah. Now I will only think of her as Betty Draper, but um, yeah. This is her. So January Jones and Diane Kruger. Correct. Okay, it's pretty cool. Yeah. No, a great one-two punch. I kind of want to yeah. see their movie without Liam Neeson. Give me like their buddy cop movie. Yeah, I, I, I think like that approach to like 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 we like I already said, like building up to him being the killer is actually kinda neat. It's it's a little more original than honestly well a few of these movies. <laughs> we'll get there. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> but still, like, yeah, it's it is what it is. I don't know how else to rank it. It is what it is. Yeah. Uh I agree with you. That's really all I have to say about it. Um but I mean, just like watch the Bourne movies instead or watch any of his later movies. I think it's actually one of the weaker ones on this list. Actually, I would say it's the worst on this list. No, that's what I would say. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, it depends on how you look at it. I mean, w- most forgettable. Um, yeah, definitely is most forgettable, but technically the worst no <laughs> no dude literally the most forgettable <laughs> yeah okay 2012's the gray is next here we go here we go here we go written and directed by joe carnahan from the a-team is that what he did he did the a-team right before this and that's why they're working again has he done anything since of note? i don't know i know he had done a couple films he's not a bad director those who kill in 2014 don't know what that is stretch in 2014 don't know what that is he did episodes of the blacklist and state of affairs um and this year he has a movie coming out called boss level <laughs> starring mel gibson Ooh. and naomi watts Ooh, i'm excited for that and then before that yeah you're right the a team smoke and aces in 2006 hmm. ticker in 2002 um kind of weird because i i don't really like any of those movies and <laughs> this movie i love yep me too and maybe i'm stretching here oh i should give you by the way the cast uh liam neeson stars as well as dermot Mulroney, frank grillo and our boy james badgedale that's right who we now love yes <laughs> i've always loved him ever since the pacific but i've loved him since 24 season three of 24 oh. that's what i know him best from but uh he's pretty he's he's good as the man who does nothing but explode in iron man 3 oh, yeah man. i love me some james badgedale yeah uh, after their plane crashes in Alaska, six oil workers are led by a skilled huntsman to survival, but a pack of merciless wolves haunts their every step. Maybe I'm stretching. This is like Liam's most Terrence Malick movie. I think like if Terrence Malick made a Liam Neeson movie, what do you mean? Like, I just think it's, an awesome like nature film obviously it's more thrilling than anything terrence yeah, malick has ever done it's no i mean terrence malick like, you, you can't even simplify it down to like nature it's like nature plus like spiritual existential dread and, and there's that stuff in this movie though. kind of not not to the degree of terrence malick i guess if you want to get as close to it to that as you possibly can by default this is what it would be but I mean, the, the intercutting with like him on the bed with his wife and like the the sort of like earthy uh, yeah, it's, ethereal quality. It's not. It's nice. Yeah. I. 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 I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Also, the VO. Lots of cool VO. Yeah. Just yeah. tonally. I don't know. 
It's great. No, it gives me Malik vibes. Here's the here's the thing. Um, in my opinion, it, this it could be the best movie on this list. Okay, it's very close. I'm not sure it's quite as good as Taken, but um, I'm cool with that. Pleasant surprise of a movie, and this is very much in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason why I love it so much is that yeah, it's it's a nature film. It's it's got some surprisingly good character work going on, particularly yes. with Liam Neeson. Yes, in that in that level of pathos, which you love, and which is why the ending is all the more effective. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it's just a good monster movie too, mm. and it's scary. Yeah, this is the thing that people don't give this movie enough credit for is that it is scary and shocking, and it earns every single scary and shocking moment. Um, right down to the the opening with the well, not the the the, the plane crash. Sure. Because, I mean, I I didn't realize getting into this movie as to how brutal it was going to be. And then the plane crash happens and I'm just like, oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. And it actually makes nonstop a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> like you watch the gray and then you watch nonstop where a bomb literally goes off in the commercial airline. <laughs> And nothing happens. <laughs> Fuck all happens. And then in this, people are getting their heads knocked off. And it's yeah. just like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty stark there. But like the sense of atmosphere in this movie. I just love movies that take place in like a snowy wilderness because, man, you just always feel it. Sure. And like the tundra, the, like the lighting for the fire when the when the wolves are coming up on them and you can see a little bit of the wolves, but mostly it's just their eyes and it's just unforgettable stuff. And it like I really do feel in, in, in the position of those characters, like the scene where they're just walking like they're walking like down a hill or something like that. And you can hear the wolves in the background coming at them mm. is really, really. Oh, God. God, it's just so effective. And then to the point where the guy just turns around and then the, the pack is swarming him. Just Sure. You have the bloody paw prints on the yeah. snow. Like they really the do maximize. Yeah. 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 They maximize all the stuff with those wolves. Yeah. And like, I think it, it's what 2011, this movie got made. CGI is not even quite at that point yet where it, you know, you buy a hundred percent these creatures. And I think like there are some shots that are like, ah. Oh, like you know, sometimes the expressiveness that they give the wolves yeah. is a little far fetched. It's a movie thing, though. And sure, I, I I honestly would prefer that they do that. Yeah. Otherwise, you get the Lion King. Well, that's a- another topic for another day. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, I I think actually here it's pretty effective because most of the movie takes place at night too. Yep. Like they're they're able to cover up a lot of the seams there. And that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. So doesn't it, I, I was never like taken out of the movie due to like the special effects for that reason. Definitely. Maybe like one or two shots, but for the most part, it's like you, you sort of cast it aside. It works right. for me. And here's the other thing too: Liam is playing an oil guy. He's an <laughs> oil rig guy. Yeah, who I guess can fight, or when pushed to the brink, he is able to pull some tricks out of his toy chest. But he's not a CIA operative. He's not a former FBI guy. He's not a thief. He's not a master heist dude. He's not a gangster. He's just like an oil guy. His name is Ottawai, which Ottawai or Ottaway. What? (laughs) So, I mean, that's unusual. But other than that, he's just a guy. And I think like Liam works is just a guy. No. And I agree. Well, and this is sort of an extension of that is that of all this, of all these movies, at least to me, maybe a walk among the tombstones, but this is the one where he feels the most vulnerable to me. We're just like, you really don't know if he's going to make it out alive in by the end of it you're still not sure ambiguous well sort of ambiguous. i know i know we'll get to have it. i told this story you this blew my mind i can't believe you didn't know this yeah when i first saw the movie the ending 
people know the ending of the gray he's stuck in the pit with all of the wolves it's like he's like in the middle of their den and he cracks like a beer can or whatever right or a couple like like uh uh or a beer ab- bottle no they're like nips okay yeah and he puts the nips like on his knuckles and he like gets ready to fight and he braces himself and the movie ends cut to black as the wolf is attacking him and uh you know, we turned it off. We're like, oh, that's a cool ending. Liam's dead. But it's also pretty sad that Liam lost to the wolves. Liam Neeson doesn't lo- usually lose in his action films. Uh, many years later, I'm watching this movie on cable again. And because they shorten the credits on FX and TNT, we were shown the post credit sequence of this movie, <laughs> yeah. which shows Liam Neeson victorious. Is he victorious, though? I mean, the wolf is maybe dead. it's breathing a little bit. Liam's not moving at all. He's just resting his head on the gut of the wolf. No, but he's alive, though. No, we don't see him move. No, but he's breathing, isn't he? No, the wolf is breathing. A little bit. It feels like the wolf is dying. I read that as Liam made it. Well, or at least beat the wolf. The, well, the fact that they're showing it at all makes you think that he beat it. Right. But we don't, like, like I said, the, we don't see him actually get up and walk away though. Okay. He's just laying there on the wolf's carcass. But when I saw that credit scene five, six years yeah. later, it blew my mind. Yeah. It recontextualized the whole thing. Um, I think I prefer like the original ending, to be honest with you. I, I, I like the ambiguity of that ending, but well, the original ending is also something that's kind of a big point of contention with people because I remember when this movie came out and a lot of people like liked it and were telling me to see it because this was like right when like the, the the taken craze like really took off and to became like a pop culture thing and then we had the gray coming out and people were like this movie's really good but what was that ending you know yeah and i i mean i don't blame them it's not like the most accessible ending it's going to disappoint some people but yes if you know how to read it i guess you know you could enjoy it you know i mean those are the same people that don't like the seinfeld ending so <laughs> and they're wrong obviously <laughs> yes they're 100 wrong yeah uh again this movie is more is better than it has any business being it's uh it's really well shot i love the cinematography in this movie yeah and like really smart and as you said does like good character work the whole all those details about liam like killing him almost almost killing himself the night before Mm -hmm. and then when he actually gets there and like his life is about to be taken from him he decides to fight and usually those flashes of the wife are cliche and annoying in movies like this but here it really works i think it's part part of it is just the setting they're placed in and you feel that way for all the characters even the ones that are kind of jackasses like that guy who's flaunting to the wolves and chucking the head and whatnot yeah and like i i don't care who you are i don't want to be stuck there like i i don't care if you're the 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 most bastard of a human being like yeah like i want to get out of there with you sure so when they show like those those and they're all like the scum of the earth oh yeah people exactly too. Like, they're yeah. all like we 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 were done drinking ourselves to death <laughs> our wives have left us we have nothing to live for so we might as well go to alaska and do the job that no one else is willing to do yep because there's nothing that we're good for yep um yeah and it's just really i don't know I've, i i really like this movie no, a lot. I, I, I do too no and i find like i find those shots of him with the wife to be a little bit of a, a nice reprieve right because you feel as like like isolated and, and exhausted as he is mm. so it just yeah it actually, and it worked when they intercut the ending with the footage yeah. of his wife too it, it works really well yeah now, the, the music works well in that moment too i just yeah it, there is a pattern running through these movies and it's really it's a pattern running through all of hollywood action of like the wife who's just an afterthought and just appears as this angelic figure. Oftentimes she's dead. 
and like her the, the only like bit of character work they do with the wife figure is to say that she is dead that is her only like recognizable characteristic here's the thing about all these movies is that they're either dead or they're just not in the picture for every single one of these movies sure and i think like when you see shots like that in the gray you roll your eyes you're like oh god another dead wife haunting our hero <laughs> Like Christopher Nolan does this all the time, <laughs> you, all the time. You don't say it is the one driving force in every <laughs> single Christopher Nolan movie is the yeah. dead wife, except in uh, in uh, in Tenant, where the wife is about to be dead, about to be dead, but she's not dead yet. Yeah, everything's <laughs> going to be taken away from her. Don't forget that, including her son. <laughs> Um, but yeah, here I'm not bothered by it. In the other movies, we'll get to one in particular where it's like oh, this is just the most masculine piece of art that's ever been produced. Like, it's the most male-centric fucking crime story you'll ever see. <laughs> and, but we'll get there when we get there. Um, but that's the gray. Let's move on. Anything else you want to say about it? No, I, I think it's a, a, a really good, you know, uh, uh, nature thriller survival story that looks awesome and is scary and and you know particularly taut and the character work is significantly better than it had any right being it's it's dope and give the editing some credit it's really good okay next is non-stop directed by jome colette again starring liam neeson and oh boy get ready for this one guys scoop mcnary michelle dockery Corey stall shea wiggum julianne moore and Lapita Nyong'o. Why is she there? Here's what's so <laughs> weird about this. So I, I saw this movie in the theater uh, when I was in college and I was living in Boston. It was the freshman year and it was like a Saturday night and I had nothing going on. Uh, no one invited me to a party or anything. I wonder why. And uh, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to go see nonstop alone on a Saturday night. And I went uh and I was blown away by it. And I was I was invigorated. I'm like, yeah, this is a better way to spend a Saturday than anything I could have been doing. But it was also around the time that Oscar season was ramping up. This was another January release. Oh. And like the Golden Globes had just happened. And I was starting to get the sense that Lapita Nyong'o was about to win Best Supporting Actress for 12 Years a Slave. Mm-hmm. So this was like Lapita's moment. She was on the award circuit. She was doing all these acceptance speeches. And meanwhile, she's in like this under five role in nonstop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's you're like, what are you like? Wh- how are you being used this she's way? She's just the stewardess yes. in this movie. <laughs> it's like, you're so much better than, than everyone else in this movie. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, I agree. And then Julianne Moore is in this thing as just the woman that sits next to Liam Neeson on a plane. Yes. Talk about overqualified. Everything about this movie is <laughs> overqualified. It's so weird. Julianne Moore is so weird because it's a big part, but it's a thankless one at the same time. Sure. Yeah. It's well, like too much work for no reward. Well, most of the time she's just sitting in that seat. Yeah. Most of the time she's just peeking out behind the curtain. Tr- like, And the whole point of that is so she can be a, a red herring most of the time. That's 100% That's what all she it is. is. She's Liter- just a red herring. With red hair. Literally. <laughs> Want to know my experience with this movie? Mm. I like the movie. Okay. I actually like the movie. I good. think it's a good Agatha Christie who done it with Liam Neeson on a plane. Yeah. Cool. Um, but. An air marshal springs into action during a transatlantic <laughs> flight after receiving a series of text messages demanding $150 million into an offshore account or someone will die every 20 minutes. Sorry. So. 
I start watching the movie and I have a general uh, general idea that the premise is they're going to get on a plane and bad things are going to happen yeah. perpetrated by some dude. Cool. Right. So we're sitting in the car with Liam Neeson and he has a drinking problem, clearly. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. He's haunted. He's haunted by his demons. By perhaps a dead wife. <laughs> or on. a wife that leaves him. Hold on. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, that's what this is going to be. Cool. He goes into the airport. Three minutes of the movie, I think. Yeah. He's talking to this guy. The guy's like, you going to London? No answer. I'm going to Amsterdam. That's the guy. (laughs) I called it immediately. Wow. Immediately. Wow. I was like, that's the guy. (laughs) (laughs) I had to do no work in figuring this shit out. And the movie was really, really, really trying to get me away from this guy. And every once in a while it came close. I'm like, I guess maybe not, but it's gotta be, right? Like, that is the most obvious reveal of a bad guy I've ever seen in my life. Yes, but also (laughs) Julianne Moore is in the movie. And you just assume because Julianne Moore is in the movie, like, something is gonna happen with her character. But you don't just use that throwaway line for no reason at all. And I'm looking at this guy, he's like, oh, he's perfectly cast to play that role. They've gotta do that, right? Right. And they did. Yeah. (laughs) I couldn't believe how on point I was. So I was just waiting for that to happen throughout the entire movie. And there was a little bit, little bit of me that was like, can you just stop pretending and get to the point of the, this guy being the <laughs> Like, come on. You, there are like 20 red herrings in this movie. Yeah. Every character on the plane is essentially a red herring. And yeah. I'm just like, oh my God, movie. It's fun. It's a ton of fun for what it is. <laughs> but like, like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's a January release. Sure. It's much better than most January releases usually are. Yeah. But like, come on, movie. Don't bullshit me here. I know what this is. Uh, Sure. Okay. They blow up a bomb on a plane, Nico. Can you remind me what like the <laughs> motivation of these terrorists is? Because I vaguely remember it involving 9-11. This is another thing. Okay. And revenge for 9-11. It's is the that right? stupidest <laughs> motivation I've ever seen. I don't know a single Marine that would ever come to this conclusion where it's like, yeah, 9-11 happened and then they sent us over there to fight the terrorists and then we, we came back and they were throwing uh, tomatoes at us or something like that. And it really pissed me off. So I thought stuff would have changed, but it didn't because it was really easy to hijack this plane that's the so movie. they hijacked the plane because of what happened on 9-11 yeah to prove or, a, to, to prove a point that the 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 american government america in general had not learned anything that was the point oh god you know how easy this was to do <laughs> and that we want to we want money for, I, I don't know but clearly they don't because they're no, okay they just blowing up the plane. Yeah, that's also true. End. It's like, you knew we were never going to get off this plane. Da, da, da. And then the bomb goes off and every, you know, the all the right people die. I love how nobody else dies. Just the bad guys die in that explosion. And somehow they're able to, we have to put all the luggage right at the exit so that it's forced out. But it'll only go out at 8,000 feet. <laughs> Even though there's a point, I I believe, where they shoot a a window out and the air pressure at that point would have just fucking demolished the plane. Correct. It's like, what is happening? (laughs) I don't buy the physics here, but... (laughs) 
Um, yeah, a bit far-fetched. I mean, also a bit far-fetched that Lapita Nyong'o was in the movie. That's also true. Yeah. This movie's nuts, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember also appreciating the use of text messages on screen because this was the first time I think the first time I saw it or one of the first times that I saw it yeah House of Cards might have been the first time where I I noticed that they were putting they were superimposing text messages um, because it was around the time that text messages started becoming this ubiquitous force in everyone's life and like I still don't think Hollywood has quite figured it out yet I still see text bubbles on screen and think oh this is tacky unless it's something like searching which is you know a movie that takes place on a monitor and gets all of the technology right understands buffering understands like how text messages move on the screen um i'm I'm just always sort of bothered i mean i've always been bothered by this when you go to the cia headquarters and the operating system on the giant monitor in the room it doesn't exist and would never work (laughs) that way you know, I and I'm always sort of nitpicking. Oh, like the text bubble doesn't look quite like that. Why can't you just use the iMessage screen? Yeah, I know. For this, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not as bothered by it. Usually, it's I don't know. It, it is what it is. I think if they over rely on it, like they kind of eventually do in House of Cards, it's a little distracting. Yeah. Here in this, though, they kind of jump back and forth between his phone and the the iMessages being superimposed on the screen or whatever he's using. Uh-huh. But I'm I'm with you. I always prefer when they just show a shot of the phone. Yeah, just show the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with just showing the phone. Yeah, I'm shit house. We just talked about. Yeah, this. exactly. I, I thought it was perfect how they did that. Um, but other than that, yeah, I just thought it was a pretty compelling uh, action set piece and. Yeah, of course it's far-fetched, but you haven't seen The Commuter. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not qualified to talk about this movie, really. That's what it is. It is amazing that now we've gone so far down the rabbit hole on this. It's not just Liam Neeson with a gun. It is Liam Neeson with a gun on a different mode of transportation. Yes. we No, that's, that's in the pitch. Yeah. We do everything that we just did in Taken and Unknown or whatever, but we put him on a plane. And then we put him on a train. And then we put him in a snowplow. Right. <laughs> Oh God, I can't wait for the boat movie. I they, can't wait for let them all talk, but with Liam. Neeson oh, they need the to do that right now. Put him in space, Liam in space. Why has that not happened yet? I don't know. It's right there. Why is he like not in gravity? Why is he not on Mars? Just put him in the Martian. Yeah, I don't know. Put him in any of these movies. <laughs> I would love to see the Martian replaced with <laughs> Liam Neeson. <laughs> Man. Such a strange movie. I guess he did do the Men in Black thing. Was he in a Men in Black? Yeah, he was in that new Men in Black with uh, Tessa Thompson and oh, he was Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, oh. he was like the head guy. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Never, I didn't see that one. You know. Um. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Nonstop. It is what it is. Again, it is what it is. I hate doing this. <laughs> What's your review? It, it is what it is. Let's know? talk about something else that also is definitely what it is. It's yeah. called The Walk Among the Tombstones it's from 2014 as well. Written and directed by Scott Frank. Interesting enough. Who I, has now become a favorite of ours. Yeah. Out of I, nowhere. I didn't even realize that he had done this. I, I just thought it was some random dude. But when I saw the name Scott Frank, I, I, I flipped a shit. Yeah. Of course, the mind behind The Queen's Gambit. I also need to watch Godless because apparently Godless is really good. All right. And um, I'm just really into this dude's style, frankly. Um, but he wrote and directed this thing. Also stars Liam Neeson, Dan Stevens, Boyd Holbrook, and David Harbour. No women on that list because there are no women in this movie. <laughs> Private investigator Matthew Shooter is hired by a drug kingpin to find out who kidnapped and murdered his wife. 
the extent to which women are, like, let's go through every woman character in this movie there is the original dead wife that gets the whole thing going and the movie opens with a scene of her getting raped there is no dialogue ever uttered by this person because there is duct tape covering her mouth there is then uh, the other wife who is also murdered by these same dudes, raped and murdered by these same dudes. Again, the only uh, role that she plays in this story is dead wife that sets the plot in motion. There is the daughter of another drug kingpin who is kidnapped. She's a little girl and she utters maybe five words. <laughs> and there, then there is the wife of that drug kingpin Who's literally in a coma. That's true. She's alive. She's the only woman in the movie that's alive, but she's incapacitated and unable to utter any dialogue. So clearly this is a point that was, it was a choice made by Scott Frank. I, I mean, Scott Frank is too thoughtful of a guy not to make this. Choice. Yes, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the Queen's Gambit, if you had any doubts about what he was doing in this movie, he kind of made up for that. Yeah. So this movie is so dude centric it is so dude there's so much dude in this movie hard-boiled cop gangster thriller with serial killers who might be gay and i think like part of that may be commenting on the sort of like toxic masculinity of those guys i think this movie's always commenting on the toxic masculinity of the movie it's not it's not that it's not interested in the women but the the story is so not about them sure that it doesn't it it, it almost doesn't even want to waste time like like ex- exploring that side of the spectrum right it's like it's almost out of respect yes in a way sure like if you put women in in this movie like like, you don't belong in this world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a good way. You sure. don't want to belong in this world. That's almost the point. Right. Because um, it is the seediest thing ever. It is a disgusting movie. Do you like this movie? Yeah. I like it too. I really like it. I, I, I don't think it's great. <laughs> I, I, I think at the end of the day, for, for me anyway, it didn't quite transcend just being kind of like a dark crime, hard-boiled thing. It is a little generic for me in that way. It's not like, like, like to me, Taken just transcends being a generic, you know, hand-to-hand action movie. Uh, this doesn't quite get there, but it's saved so much by Scott Frank's direction and his script and just a general craft, which actually surprised me. I thought the cinematography is maybe one of the more underrated qualities of this movie. Yeah, for sure. Um but it's it it takes its time. It's a really like considered movie with like just the, the the scenes of him figuring out what's going on. It's not, you know, guns blazing at all really, you know, until it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And um even then there's just this quiet, really somber, regretful nature to the, everything that happens in the movie. Um it's such a I don't know what it is about it, but I think the portrayal of New York is actually really good and interesting and yeah. More, more than just you know, it's there are many portrayals of New York being like dark and disgusting, but there is something a little more grounded about it here. Sure. Well, they go to neighborhoods too that they most did. New York movies are not set in. It kind of felt like Spotlight to me, on oddly, and Spotlight takes place in Boston. But there's something about like the way it moves throughout the story, the way it, like it holds on certain shots, the framing of everything. Okay, just the look of the city, which kind of reminded me of that. I don't know. Yeah, it's a very gray movie. Uh, certainly in spotlight has yeah i think similar moves in terms of uh, the camera but yeah uh i, I yeah I'm, I'm i just really like scott frank's 
deal, man. I just think yeah, the guy too. is such a precise technician of this medium mm-hmm. and knows where to put the camera and how yep. to move it and how to edit. And it's just all very, very proficient and it never calls attention to itself. And that's why a guy like Scott Frank is, you know, never going to get the cred of some of these, you know, auteurs, like even like a Denis Villeneuve or like a Nicholas Winding Refn or, you know, a- anybody that, uh, you know, their, their brand name almost uh, exceeds the power of their movies. <laughs> Scott Frank is just really good at this craft and just understands the craft inside and out. And um, I'm just in awe of it. Like, I, I, I'm not sure, uh, you know, the untrained eye would be able to pick up on some of this stuff like you and I do just because we watch so many movies and we see so much incompetence that when you see competence and it doesn't call attention to itself, <laughs> it, it calls attention to itself for us. Yeah. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. that, that was the case during Queen's Gambit. I'm just sitting there and I'm like, this is such a subtle, beautifully shot show. And, you know, no one's ever going to think of it like a Tarantino movie. No. But, God, it's really hard making chess look interesting. And, it and does. he And he's able to make chess look interesting. Well, but more so than just, like, the shots. Just excellent editing and excellent, like, like human performances to back every single move that those characters make. Right. I love the intercutting in movies like that. And I love the intercutting here. Like, that rooftop scene where the guy comes and finds him oh, it's in great. a shack. That it's little pan great. that he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. It's re- Yeah, exactly. Stuff just like that. To the foreshadowing of the guy jumping off the, the roof. Yeah. Where it's like they show the roof in a way that made me think think oh is he gonna jump right but then they continue the scene for a bit longer and i'm like okay maybe not and then the guy jumps and i was like oh that was so clever yeah oh that was really good yeah (laughs) and all of just like the running back and forth this is a movie that requires a lot of geography um you know that whole sequence in the beginning where dan stevens is discovering his dead wife in the trunk and how he goes from one neighborhood to the next and one neighborhood to the next that's a hard thing to pull off on screen Mm -hmm to understand where you are in this city and to orient yourself, you know, this is the rich neighborhood. This is the poor neighborhood. This is what red hook looks like. This is what Queens and Brooklyn look like. And, um, it, it just does an effective job of all of that. And I, I never lost myself in the story or, or I, I was never lost in terms of the, the, the plot thread, although it's not convoluted to me at all. Yeah. I mean, there are a, a number of twists and a number of, uh, parties that have conflicting interests. I, I, I was still, I don't know. I was in the pocket of this movie, so to speak. Well, it moves it away for you to like appreciate all those moves that it's making. It's not it's not fast. And this is the thing like to anyone who wants to watch it, I'd say like this is, you know, it's a slow movie. It might bore you. It maybe, you know, I, I, I think if you like this genre, you're going to love this movie, Yeah, but don't get into this expecting the gray or the take or taken because it is so not that at all. It's actually, you know, in a, it separates itself from the rest of these movies in a way that you know, it, it, it's certainly more respectable in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. you know, it's to me, this is, I think the third best film on this list. Maybe you know? I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, um, but like, it doesn't feel like a Liam Neeson with a gun movie to me, even though it is Liam Neeson with a gun. Sure. You know, you know what it, it reminded me of a lot too, was actually strangely the drop. I don't know. Again, yes. something about that. Yes. Same similar thing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, and that's a movie I love, too. Yeah, I, I love, love the, drop. the Drop. The Drop is really, really good. I love movies like this. This is a genre that, uh, actually, another podcast that I listened to coined it Garbage Crime, <laughs> <laughs> which is just, you know, 
they're all fairly derivative. They all have like the same beats to them. They all have a similar vibe where it's like they're not intentionally funny. They're just pretty like hard boiled, but they're also like cheap to make. They're reliable to me. Yeah. And yeah. star James yeah. Badgedale and Liam yeah. Neeson, <laughs> you know, rather. And actually Denzel makes a lot of these movies too. True. Yeah. yeah you know, true. like the equalizer is a garbage crime movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I fucking love movies like that. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I just love stuff that's disposable. It doesn't try <laughs> being more than it actually is. Yeah. Like crime movies, something like I'm thinking like True Detective, which is a TV show. But stuff like that tends to carry with it an air of self-importance that just isn't there. No. Um, and yeah. Just like drug dealer with a fucking dead wife go that's the movie yeah it works yeah i i'm not blown away by it at all i don't think i ever was going to be i just sort of appreciated it for what it is yeah um it's kind of like my western this yeah. genre of movie like you know how people say like superhero movies are now our westerns like i think like these types of crime movies to me i would rather watch those i would rather see yeah. a good director's take on a garbage crime movie oh i love that there's nothing better to me when you you, you have a familiar formula that a, a like a like a well-known director takes on like like widows is another you know we've talked about that a lot perfect yeah 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 yeah. except that's even more elevated sure yeah no good movie yeah good movie stuff with the kids cool the surrogate dad stuff i think all the performances across the board are pretty pretty good david harbour's really good yeah really really creepy in this one hellboy yeah no hellboy yeah the hellboy yeah (laughs) there there were no other notable hellboys (laughs) <laughs> yeah the villains are just awesome uh and i do think that it does have some stuff to say but it does yep in scott frank fashion it's just very subtle and very understated and if you have not seen this movie if, if it somehow slipped under your radar because it doesn't have the giant a-list cast that nonstop had or it, it doesn't have that same sort of fun campy vibe that liam neeson movies normally do it's not like a fun movie traditionally oh yeah no, not fun at all i, I mean, would say I, I, when, when the guy when um, um, Dan Stevens finds his wife in the trunk and she's in those little fucking like bags yeah. that look like they look like like Coke bricks. And sure. That's why he stabs it. And then <laughs> the blood just seeps out. It's like, oh, God, Do you know, who's really good. Dan Stevens. Yeah, he is really good. That guy can act. Have you seen the guest yet? Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I saw the guest years ago. Love the guest. Yeah, I love it, too. Really, really good. He's really fun in that movie. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> that guy just makes smart decisions. Mm-hmm. He. Well, he was in Eurovision this year. Oh, he was. Um, and that's a bad movie, but he's the best part of that movie <laughs> by a mile. I like him in most things that he's in. Her smell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did that. Um, that uh, the X Men series for FX. What was that thing called? Legion. Legion. There I didn't you see that. Yeah, he's good. He played Beast in Beauty and the Beast. That's true. <laughs> Dan Stevens. Uh, okay. And finally, <laughs> the main event, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Cold Pursuit. Directed by Hans Petter Moland, a Norwegian filmmaker. This movie is a remake yep. of his Norwegian film. I he directed would, both the original and the remake. I would love to see that original. That film is called In Order of Disappearance, and it stars Stellan Skarsgård in okay. its title role. Or in its lead role. This one stars Liam Neeson, Laura Dern, John Doman, and Emmy Rossum. A grieving snowplow driver. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good place. Seeks out revenge against the drug dealers who killed his son. Liam's on the warpath. Yep. 
Let me read a quote for you. This is a good quote. This is a great line in a movie that they wrote. Mm. Um, Delivered by a character named Nels Coxman, but we'll get Nels to that in a second. Coxman. <laughs> Coxman. <laughs> mm. <laughs> when you drive this the same road day after day, it's easy to start thinking about the road not taken. I, I, I try not to do that, you see. I'm... I was lucky. I picked a good road early and stayed on it. <laughs> oh! <laughs> this movie is utter trash. <laughs> but it's so good. <laughs> it's the most enjoyable, terrible thing I've ever seen in a while. My God. This movie was cracking me up. <laughs> The shots, the repeat shots of him just holding the body and dumping it over the gorge. Oh, my God. Repeated like 12 times. <laughs> the shots of them driving into the city. It looks like shit. It looks terrible. How dare you? It, it is the most inauthentic looking like green screen effect I've ever seen. I'm just like, wow, that's bad. Look at these snow effects. What did you throw this into after effects? What's going on? Like <laughs> the the. The incompetence of this movie wow. is kind of like what I loved about it, though. <laughs> the editing is, <sighs> oh boy, oh boy! Like there are rules and like matching continuity that you can you can get away with stretching that. And Thelma Schoonmaker has talked about this extensively, but there's always a threshold and you don't want to cross that threshold. And this movie does constantly. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do we don't jump to this shot from this point in the scene? Like the character was turned around. Like I'm, I'm the geography is confusing me and I'm having anxiety now. Oh my God. Until just like the, the, the speed at which characters are disposed. Some of it is hilarious. And I love it. Oh, yeah. Like like the Eskimo guy, where he's just like, could you get off the Cartman? He's dead. <laughs> and they cut to those insert black screen shots. Oh, my God. It's great. <laughs> it's such a great device. Oh, it's really good. Uh, but yeah, there, there's just some really... It, I, this movie's got the strangest like feel I've, I've I've seen in a while, where it just feels like it was like made for television, and shots linger for much longer than they should. And... Like, like it's not a very like, like propulsive movie in my opinion. Like, there's like a lot of like awkward setups. Like Laura Dern just standing on the hill and looking, you know, desperate for some reason. Let's talk about Laura Dern for just half a second here. <laughs> what is she doing in this movie? What is happening? What is she doing in this movie? <laughs> How did they convince her to do this? I have no idea. They said it's going to be a little Lynchian, <laughs> and she went for it. What did they have to pay her for this? I mean, she must have gotten paid. Like we just talked about Hodorowsky's Dune, how Salvador Dali wanted to get paid $100,000 an hour. That must have been what Laura Dern got paid because she's on screen for what, 10 minutes at the most? No. Not even, right? I'd say five minutes. Yeah. Max. Max. And she just goes away and never comes back. Yeah. And you figure, oh, at the end of the movie, there's going to be some emotional reunion between the two of them. Nope. Nope. She's just gone. Yep. She just leaves because her husband's a piece of shit. <laughs> she just goes. I don't know. I have no idea how to describe this movie. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. How in the world did they get Laura Dirt? It's crazy. 
Um, is it possible? Like you, you're saying that like something was a little off kilter for you, right? Just like tonally and stylistically, and it, it was n- not not to say it's as like, we use this comparison a lot. I'm not saying it's as bad as the room. Okay, I'm not saying that, but um, you know how like when you watch the room and it's clear that they didn't know what they were doing, e- even if they had, will say otherwise, it did give me that feeling where it's like, eh, even if you were going for like a satire, which is possible i guess Uh, no i think that's definitely what they were trying to do though here and there but like the satire is really awkward and that's sort of my issue i'm like just like hmm it's like there's a way to pull that off like in fargo that feels very intentional and and a lot of this felt like coen brothers karaoke yes yes a lot of it did yeah but it's like it's just weak and it's sort of lacking that like that edge and that cleverness that like something like fargo does have well it's not as smart as no sure no. But like, even though, yeah, I, I do agree. I think they were certainly going for that, particularly with that ending. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's just like on the floor. Like, oh, no, yeah. It's like raising Arizona hijinks, <laughs> except much more violent. <laughs> Dropping a fucking tree through some guy's car. But you have that. You have the absurdity of this movie. It, it is bonkers. Yeah. It's nuts. But then you have like the really, really slow quiet shots of characters doing pretty much nothing yeah to a character just sitting at a table talking to his to a henchman about football for no reason yeah but also meant to be funny though right some of it's meant to be funny but there are many instances of just that shots that just linger on liam neeson doing very very little and it starts to feel like an art house film and my my sensibilities and are being pulled in two very contrasting directions that to me don't work at all yeah um, which is why, like, I, I can't describe, like, the experience to this movie. It's wholly unique to me. I've never seen anything like it before. Yeah. I saw this with my brother and father in the theater, and they were very upset with why? the movie because they thought that it was purposely mocking Liam Neeson rather than reveling in the glory that is Liam Neeson. Well, I think it might have been mocking. Yeah. I, like, I, I, they uh, are, I guess, not a fan of deconstruction when it comes to their favorite action star. Yeah. But you know, I, and, and I, I think they were sort of offended by the idea that Liam Neeson would just be a bumbling buffoon. That's what he is. That, and I texted you this. I was like, this is hobo with a snowplow. <laughs> that's what this is. Yeah. And it's 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 awesome in, in that. Like, but again, never quite like figures itself out. I guess that's my, my, my point is that, yeah, it's very clearly trying to be like a satirical version of the Liam Neeson films. But like he's barely in the movie. Mm. This is the other interesting thing. It's just the editing is wacky. Right. It's weird. And it, it it feels like it's it's a different type of editing style scene by scene. Right. I've never seen anything it, like it this. It is pretty inconsistent. Do you think it's possible that something was lost in translation here? Yes. And I was getting that, that vibe where I was like, whoever made this just, you know – does not seem to like understand like like the, this cultural barrier i don't know i i think that's definitely what it was and I, i'm really curious to watch that original movie because apparently that original movie is pretty good mm-hmm. uh and is more of a broad comedy than this but i think bringing liam neeson on it, it brings with it a set of expectations at least on the part of the studio where Okay, you can make fun of the Liam Neeson revenge movie, but it still needs to be a Liam Neeson revenge movie. Yes. You know, it's it's the Deadpool problem. It's like we're poking fun at superheroes and we're so transgressive, but also it's just a superhero movie at the end of the day. Yeah, that movie like is a is a much better balance and it's a much better like like symbiotic relationship where again, these two feel like in direct opposition to each other to the point where the movie just feels so confused. Yeah. I I I came out of it like The script is very weird. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was texting you. I'm like, dude, what is going on with this dialogue? Yeah. It is the strangest shit I've ever heard in my life. Like, it's the most both cliched but, like, like wise thing I've ever heard. It's, it's, I don't know what it is. I don't know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> like where he goes into the dress shop. He shoots the guy at like point blank range. I'm just like, is this a grindhouse film? What is this? The villain is a weird guy. My <laughs> God, that performance is. <laughs> also, there was like some weird racist shit going on too. Like an hour into the movie, what, I recall with, like, like the, with the Indians. Yeah, I recall like a really uncomfortable scene like that. Kind of, but like th- this is another thing though. It's like a plot thread that just comes out of nowhere, and then the movie becomes about the Indian people, right. And forgets about the Liam Neesons up, which I'm okay. W- okay with i guess but if they were in there the entire time right it's like an hour and a yeah, half you're right it's like this yes I, I forgot about that he like disappears for like yes. a half hour of the movie <laughs> and it becomes like this dueling mob thing i'm like what what is this, this is the weirdest structure of a story you're so seen. right i totally forgot about that <laughs> Like the ending, the ending is set up like it's going to be like a final shootout, Yeah, you know, but, but, uh, but he doesn't fire a shot. He doesn't yeah. kill anybody in that entire scene. That's a good point. I'm like, wait a second. What is, what are they doing? I didn't, I, I guess that's, that's what it comes down to. Like I saw some of the intentionality, but the, at the end of the day, I didn't know what the hell this movie was doing. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I think the execution was really the problem, not yeah. the intention. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of like a Coen Brothers lead, too, in that he's just this incompetent buffoon who has a very strange job who's been caught in the middle of this web that he can't find his way out of. I usually love characters mm-hmm. like that. I mean, Jeffrey Lebowski is that character. Um, but we're always with Jeffrey Lebowski. Right, right. And the, and the movie is tonally consistent in that yes. way. This one, you're 100% right. Sometimes it's like a hard-boiled crime movie. Sometimes it's like a comedy with Liam Neeson and a snowplow. Sometimes it's a revenge movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I agree that it, it didn't necessarily stick the landing. No. I agree with that. But I do really appreciate the intentionality, and I found it very entertaining. It is entertaining. Um, and I, I, I would call it a good movie. The craft is really bad, man. Okay. The craft is really, really bad. So, like, the special effects are awful. Yeah. And like I said, the editing was giving me an aneurysm. It was so confusing. Like, there, I don't I don't remember the scene, but it happens a lot with the, the main boss, mm. like, where he's totally... I, I, I wish I could, like, identify a specific thing, but he's, like, talking to his henchmen and playing around with, like, a pen or something. Yeah. And the cross-cutting was so confounding to me i was like it's just like breaking all the rules of geography that you would ever do in a movie mm. it's not matching continuity what is going on and that happens constantly yeah it's like whenever the movie needs to pick it up it chooses to go really really slow yeah, yeah, yeah. And whenever it needs to go slow it goes by way too fast you remember like the his buddy who has the asian wife yeah. and, and then the, the the villain picks him up in the car and he's like i'm gonna kill you now fade out guys eulogy or whatever on right the screen. yeah i'm like Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, he's dead? <laughs> That's why you're a good egg. He's dead. Sure. I'm like, what? Ah, oh, movie. What are you doing? <laughs> Look, no movie with a main character named Nels Coxman. <laughs> you love your names. <laughs> Playing a snowplow guy who wins Citizen of the Year in his local town is meant to be taken seriously. When he goes to his son's funeral, yeah. he's wearing the plow jacket. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case you forgot what he did for a living. 
<laughs> I think something was lost in translation. Oh, here. yeah. That's what I think. I think maybe the movie plays well in Norway. When he's in the dress shop and the guy's like, hold on, I'll talk to you for a minute. I got to deal with my customers. <laughs> they focus on the guy dealing with his customers instead of cutting that out, which is what you would do in a movie. I dig that, though. What? I dig it. <laughs> movie just i dig it there are so many moments where the film just stops right it doesn't do anything it does nothing of merit whatsoever and it's just like we're gonna say something that's totally inconsequential as like fat like the movie goes out of its way to make fat right that shot like is what when the when the indian drug dealers are in the hotel and the guy's just looking out into the sunset and then his buddies come over and the dramatic music comically cuts out. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> and they don't say anything. They say nothing to him. Yeah, just no, like, I, I, <laughs> they, they just like, they say a totally inconsequential thing that means nothing to the plot. Right. Like, why was this in the movie? <laughs> There's so many scenes like that. Do you want to make a reservation? What did you just say, lady? <laughs> I said, do you want a reservation? That's not what I heard. To me, it told <laughs> To me, it sounded like you wanted us to go back to our reservation. <laughs> I don't think this director is the guy to handle this subject matter. Give it to like like Tyler Sheridan or Taylor Sheridan, whatever his name is. Sure, yeah. I would love to see his version of this script. Um, I guess he's done that with Wind River, but whatever. Yeah, it, actually, yes, it's exactly what Wind River <laughs> Still, it's the same story. Yeah, in many ways, it's the polar opposite of A Walk Among the Tombstones, which is something that is very proficient almost to a fault. Yep. And this one is so out there, breaking every single rule. And it's, it's janky. It's yeah. a janky movie. It's it's very janky, no question. I was along for the ride the whole time, and I allowed myself to enjoy it. But that's what I do when I see Liam Neeson movies. I let myself enjoy it. <laughs> this, this movie ends with a man accidentally gliding into a snowplow. It's amazing. That's the move. That's where it ends. Yeah. And they don't bat an eye. No, it's if the, if the Cohen brothers were dumb, this is the movie that they would make. Yes, yes, I agree. This movie's ridiculous, man. I wrapped him in chicken wire and threw him over the gorge so that the fish can eat at the scraps. What? Do you know in the original movie the character's name was Nils Dickman? <laughs> What? <laughs> what? They changed it to Nels Coxman. Okay, so they... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. They knew what they were doing here. Why do they want to name him Coxman or Dickman? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> he's well endowed. He's a well... He... <laughs> Snow's not the only thing he plows. That's why. That's good. Yeah. Oh, this movie is just, it's just garbage. It's just good. It's good garbage. It is. But, but wow, this movie broke me. It's a good movie. Don't let Adam tell you otherwise. No, it, it really is more wise this thing. We could have watched this for wise this thing and talked a lot about it. Seriously. Mm. I can't imagine what Nick would have thought of it. <laughs> okay. Uh, what are we inducting here? Cold Pursuit. All right. You're in, baby. You're in. <laughs> you did it. Um, I Okay, I think we have the same top three. Walk Among the Tombstones, The Gray, Taken, all in our top three. Yep. Right? Uh, obviously, Taken is, is going to have the slight advantage because it was the OG. 
I think The Gray is the most... I think it's the best movie, honestly. I honestly think it's the best movie. It's certainly the most different. Yes, while also still embracing some of the fundamentals that Taken has. But Are also, you sure about that? Well, this is the other thing. Also deconstructing them and playing with them in a way that's pretty interesting. But it certainly starts out closer to Taken and then becomes something very different. But in an, like I said, in an interesting way that I appreciate. Right. Uh, Walking on the Tombstones, I, I like. I don't think I would put that in, though. It, it's Even though I like it, it, it's still a pretty disposable movie, in my opinion. But but a good. it's a good movie. It, it is a good movie. I, I do recommend it, but it's not going to blow you away. Right. Um, here's the deal, though. I don't know how to justify it to myself when I had the opportunity to put Taken in the Movie Hall of Fame and oh, I didn't do it. You can do it. I don't care. That's fine. You know what I'm saying? Well, you, it's, a, you're, it's a betrayal to yourself. I, I mean, it is. I mean, it's yeah. just like all, the amount of times that I've seen that movie and just like, you know. Dude, we don't need to be contentious about this. After last week, yeah. <laughs> we cannot be contentious. I'd be happy. <laughs> I, I like The Grey just fine. Yeah. I, I wish it was on cable more and I wish I had a better relationship with it. Um, but Taken's just like my best friend. I just yeah. love him. I love him I so love much. Taken, yeah. And uh, I have the opportunity to put him in and I have to. Put him in. Okay. Congratulations to take it. There you go. For earning a spot in the movie Hall of Fame. Did we talk about taking when we did 2009? I don't think we did. We didn't? I don't think we did. What? Oh, wow. Major oversight. Yeah, man. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there you go. There we go. Now the question is, do we do a second chance pod ever with 2009? Maybe not. Um, because we tease the idea of doing second chance pods. Yeah, we, we're gonna have to. We have to. We're gonna have to at some point we have to go over the years again. Yeah. Uh, okay. There we go. Taken. Next week, we're going back to the year 1970, talking about the best movies of that particular year. And uh, I'm still dangling this other podcast over you. One day, Nico's choice. Mm. This bastard over here. That's gonna be a fun one. Yeah. Um, this is a bad year. It is. It's a bad year, man. I don't know why it's a bad year, but yeah, it ain't good. Yeah. Oh, we have mash. I like mash. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's just draft this. I'll, I will draft mash first. Oh my God. El Topo's on this list. No, we can't do that. Ah! We're literally talking about that on the other show next week. Like, like my, one of my favorite films here is Kelly's Heroes. Wow. Like honestly, it on yeah, it honestly is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I have not seen Catch Twenty Two. I don't know how that is. Uh, the Conformist here is good. That's Bernardo Bertolucci, I think. I don't really know many of these movies. Is the thing five easy pieces? Okay, I have to watch a lot. I do. Yeah, there's there's some bad ones here, dude. I don't know. This is this is why we've been avoiding it for so many years. Patton. <laughs> Oh, I like Patton. Okay, I like. Okay, I, I'll I'll do Patton. Why not? All right, I'll go five easy pieces. Uh, uh, what the hell? These are horror movies. No, like like Kelly's Heroes is is you know like like the old bullshit what you consider old bullshit Hollywood war movies. Right. This is the probably the best version of that. The one that you'll like the most. Yeah, that I'm very bothered. Okay. I'm usually bothered by movies like that, though. This is a good one, though. Wanda, I've never seen. Airport, I've never seen. Woodstock, the movie. Did that already. Like, El Topo, to me, is maybe the best movie. Did Gimme Shelter. 
Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, I guess. I've been interested. Oh, in- Love Story came out that year. Okay. All right. Okay, so what the hold on? What are we at? So, Patton, Kelly's Heroes, Mash, Love Story. Okay, yeah, I'm fine with that. Five easy pieces as well, and five easy pieces. That's five. Do we have to go more than that? We'll keep it at that. Okay, you have to send me that list because I do have to see a few of these. Okay, <laughs> those are the only other ones that I I, 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 like I said, I've been interested in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls because Roger Ebert wrote it. Right, so, it's the only movie he wrote, right? Yeah. You know, that's cool, right? That's pretty cool. Man, this is just such a forgettable year. Horton Hears a Who from 1970? The Dunwich Horror? There, there were no, like, uh, Godard movies or Bergman movies or something? There's a... Can I educate myself? Sidney Poitier movie? They call me Mr. Tibbs, I think, right? Yeah. The sequel to In the Heat of the Night. Uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, one of the worst Planet of the Apes movies. Give Me Shelter. Great doc. Yeah, but we've already talked about it. Uh, yeah, Bergman didn't come out with a movie that year. What the hell, man? Yeah, this is a terrible year. Let's see. Did Godard do anything? Oh, 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 oh okay. Okay, what? this is one that I, I would like to make us do. Okay. Hear me out. Let's hold on. Let me just make sure that it actually came out. Uh, come on. It's a certain film. Yep. Performance. What is performance? It's the Nicholas Rogue film starring Mick Jagger. Apparently it's very good. Word. But also fucking nuts. Okay. So. Uh, we can remove one of those other ones then. We'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've, been, I've wanted to watch performance for a while. Cool. Hey, let's let's reach inside the vault this week. Hey, we don't have anything else to do. Let's do some deep cuts. We <laughs> deep always cut. take the obvious choices. Let's, you know, let's get weird with it. All right. I'm good with that. Apparently, this is a weird one. I, I don't know. I don't want to hype it up too much because I don't know much about it, but that's what I've heard. Okay. I'll check the Criterion channel, see if there's anything on there that would be worth watching. Okay. Because Criterion's usually pretty good about that. So what are we at right now? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll narrow that thing down to five. Okay. I think Love Story and MASH both got to be there. Maybe Patton. You could. I mean, I like Patton a lot, but it doesn't need to be there. Okay. Yeah, I guess Kelly's Heroes, even though I love it, doesn't need to be there. Okay, we'll talk. That's it. That's the podcast. Yep. Uh, next week, 1970, go listen to the other shows. Uh, we are doing Hodorowsky Hanuary on Why Is This a Thing? Yes, we are. Next week, we'll be talking about El Topo, so uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, that's it. We love you. Join the Discord. Let us know how stupid we are. Very stupid. We love hearing from you. Because we love Cold Pursuit. I certainly do. Hey, I like it too. (laughs) That's it. Until next time, Adam. He is the chosen one. He will bring balance to the force.